hi and welcome to the running realtor with jessica patterson kibbe i am your southeastern connecticut residential realtor with remax legends out of waterford connecticut and today on this rainy lovely beautiful day i am here this afternoon with the one and only jules west jules welcome thank you <laughs> hi this is fun <laughs> yay so we are here we got um we got the blankie we got cuddling we got the kitty cat going and we are gonna jump into the running realtor so jules let me um yeah so i guess just a little background on our relationship i've um met jules about five years ago through bni it's a local actually it's a global networking organization it is international um but we met through the stonington connecticut one um and you know, like everything else, when you get into networking, you never really know about the potential relationships that you're going to build. Yeah. And I can sincerely say that the relationship that I have created with Jules from the BNI experience has literally turned into one for me of family. Literally. Um, and yeah, I love it. So thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. So um, I guess just to jump in, how did you end up in southeastern Connecticut? Because you're not originally a Connecticut native, right? I'm not. My mom was. So my mom was from Stanford. And then full circle, I lived here when I was from 14 to 18. Hmm. I got married and then moved to Florida. And then um, subsequently moved back for a very brief amount of time when I was like 22. Um, and then ended up back here in 2009. Okay. So yeah, and I got married again. Um, so in 2009, I came to Connecticut. I swore I would never back, come back to Connecticut. And to be honest, I probably would have never gone back to the area. I was, I was in Fairfield County, and it's just this very, very different vibe there. It's like an extension of New York City. Yeah. So I wasn't really interested in coming back to Fairfield County, but I had never really explored this area. And then the first time I came to the shoreline was in the Lyme, um, even old Lyme area, like Hamburg Cove. Great area. Super and cute. I fell yes. in love with yeah. this area. So... <laughs> When my now ex-husband and I relocated to the, the little shoreline area of, of Hamburg Cove, that's when I was like, mm, I can see myself here forever. Yeah. It reminds me of like New Hampshire and, and Bain Coast. So it's very quaint. It's quiet. It's fun. And there's so much to do seasonally. And you were down in Clinton for a while as well, Clinton right? Clinton for almost 10 years. Mm. So that's still considered, I would say that's like my first home in Connecticut, like where I really was there for more than, you know, three or four years. Yeah. So I, all my friends, I still have a lot of my friends from my old um, little neighborhood on Morgan Park. And yeah, I love it there. But I love it here too. I love it here. So that's one of the interesting things. When we talk about here, so here is Waterford, Connecticut. Yes, right? we're in Waterford on Oswagachi. Oswagachi yeah. is a village, which people don't think it's like, it's this little, little village on its own on, on the Niantic River. That's one of the things when I first moved down here from Boston almost 20 years ago at this point. So Connecticut Navid. Connecticut native, but just grew up in a different part. Went to college here in Connecticut. Different when did section. you come back? Um, oh my gosh, two thousand and seven. So yeah, before me, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I actually, so kind of a funny story. I was down here, kind of visiting on the weekend, exploring, and I came across Knowing. And I immediately fell in love. It reminded me of so Cabot Cove. Did you ever watch Murder, She Wrote back in the day yes. with Angela Lansbury? Okay. Yes. And I was like driving around. I was like, oh my God, I'm like in love with this area. Fast forward, lived there, had the opportunity to live there for a while. Absolutely loved it. Um, moved over to Groton Long Point. Great area. So and then the opportunity over here came up on uh, the Niantic River here in Waterford. So the Niantic River splits the East Lyme, town of East Lyme and Niantic and then the town of yes. Waterford. Yeah. And it's 
amazing. We're super <laughs> fortunate because we're like sandwiched between two of the best little towns. Absolutely. Ever. Absolutely. Really yeah. So moved over from Groton Long Point to here and just kind of like fell in love with Waterford, had the opportunity to be on the Conservation Commission. Now, I, I know you work a lot, um, not only in Connecticut, but also in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And being a VRBO, Airbnb super yeah. host, I know you got your hands in a lot of different pots as far as just kind of community and economic development and real estate and small business support. Yeah, so, essentially three jobs. Right yeah. Now. yeah. So like, I guess, tell me a little bit about that and how, how do you feel like living in Southeastern Connecticut is playing into that? And like, what are your favorite parts about coming home to Waterford? You, you're here. <laughs> Jess and I are neighbors. Um, no, it does help though to have like friends who are like your family on the street. Um, my favorite part of Southeastern Connecticut is the, is the vibe. It's so different than, I think a lot of people outside of Connecticut, when they, they think Connecticut, they think of one of two areas, either Hartford, because they're going through, you know, that area. Like the 91 corridor. Correct, connecting yeah. the states. And that, that is in itself a whole different to me vibe than the rest of Connecticut. And then Fairfield County, of course, is what kind of is always the satire you see in Hollywood and so forth, because it's so affluent and it's yeah. very busy and it's a lot like Westchester and, and the city. Here is its own thing. I mean, we've got like the Rhode Island is less than 20 minutes away, which I spend a lot of time in. Um, you can be in Boston in less than two hours. You yeah. can be in New York in about two and a half. So for me, the the precedent of moving to this area was very deliberate. I moved from Clinton to Rope Ferry Road here in Waterford for about a year, right at the cusp of when COVID started. Yeah. And so I was not by choice kind of stuck here. Um, on house arrest, like everybody else was, you know, where we're waiting it out. And for those first four months, I would just take bike rides and so forth during the springtime because everything started, of course, mid-March of 2020. And then through June, I would come down to this street and I kept seeing this house for sale. Yeah. And it had a little carriage house behind it, which is over a garage. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's for sale. But everybody at that point was exiting New York City. So I really didn't think I had a shot at buying it. Yeah. And then I got into a bidding war with, of course, cash buyers coming out of city who were ready to, you know, make a big move. And it's really hard to compete with something like that when you're trying to get a residential conventional mortgage. So um, I kind of lost hope and I happened to have a really good realtor and she worked me through the process and I outbidded three of the bidders who actually got laid off, which is sad for them because they got laid wow. off during the process of buying this house, yeah. but it enabled me to actually get it. And yeah. so I have this little, I, I mean, it is just like a little oasis because we're on the Niantic River on this little um And we are back. So one of the interesting challenges about starting off on a podcast that Jules and I were just chatting about is the technology side of it. So we had to take a quick break there so we could get ourselves back together unfortunately none of the recording the great content that jules west just provided us with the ideas suggestions and experiences of being a short-term rental uh, landlord and host did not get recorded so just to do a quick recap yeah. julesy can you jump in what has been your experience as a landlord and what yes, has been your experience definitely. short-term rental um okay so the two things i don't think it just got caught so we'll talk about it. so the two things the first one would be um having control over the experience your guests have because if you're going to have good reviews you almost it's a requirement that doesn't mean you have to be living here and involved all the time i know a lot of people that do have uh, property management companies help them but you got to know who they are and trust them um i do not have management here i do it all myself so from the bookings i work with both verbo airbnb and furnished finder so that's balancing three apps first and foremost the bookings themselves um 
making sure there's reviews, hopefully, for every single stay, making sure the house is in order from the cleaning and so forth, landscaping and all the utilities. Um, it's a lot. So I think that's the first tip is having control of the experience and whatever that means for you. Yeah. It's different for everyone. I know you and I are very hands-on with our properties because we live there. Um, but the second thing is knowing your worth. So I did in the beginning, I think, underestimate how much I could get per night. And it was more of me not having the confidence in, in my property and the, the worth of it. And then someone, um, you definitely helped me with this. And then a few other people who've been doing it for years were like, you should up the price. Like yeah. you're not getting enough per night. And the quality of guests that came out of that is what surprises me is that not only do I know, and I'm not saying you gouge anyone, you don't want to spend, you don't want to have them spend too much, but knowing the worth of your property and what it is worth to stay there per night. Yeah. And that changes seasonally. It changes per night. It changes um, based on, you know, if there's events locally, we're near the Coast Guard, we're near the Navy base. Um, we are near both casinos. So I kind of keep track of that mm -hmm. on my own to see like, oh, could I squeeze out a few more dollars this weekend over next weekend? Um, and then doing ancillary things like I don't just give away usage of, of the canoe and the kayaks yeah. and the paddle boards. That's extra. They have to use an app um, to, to Venmo me for that. And then like firewood, I used to just give away endless amounts of firewood. That adds up really fast. So yeah. now they have to pay $5 for extra bundles. They get the first bundle free and then every other bundle. So those kind of things add up really quickly. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's definitely helped to, um, you know, make the, the property more valuable and also getting the audience I want staying there. Absolutely. So one of the things that I talk to a lot of people who are um, – seriously considering about becoming VRBO or short-term um, host investors, the property itself. So one of the biggest trending things that um, we've seen over the past, I'd say year, year and a half, especially obviously seasonal here in New England is mm -hmm. that outdoor living space. Yeah. And I love how you have everything oh, set up here. It's very, very intentional in design. It's a great use of space, mm -hmm. but it also like as a family who uses VRBO, who uses Airbnb, yeah. that is one of the things that I'm thinking about when I want to rent someone's home yeah. because it's the experience, right? Like I want those memories with my family, with my girlfriends being going like girl trips yeah. or whatnot and being able to kind of add those in when you're thinking about what is it that your, what is it that makes your property unique, mm -hmm. relevant, and interesting, right? Yeah, it's little, those little touches. I think, you know, last year I put the Adirondack chairs and there's many Adirondack chairs for kids. Yeah. So like there's almost like a photo op waiting to happen there. Great social the media moments, yeah, 100%. Really, and having social media is great too. Like I always yeah. tell VRBOs and um, Airbnbers to make sure you have a page because you create a brand that way. Yep. Um, having snacks that are both decadent but also healthy. Yeah. So I, you know, I definitely have snacks that are available for kids. So they have like their, um, you know, not so healthy snacks. And then the parents a lot of times want cliff bars. So I yeah. always have a cliff bar there for them. And then um, I try not to have bottled water, but I've noticed guests require or ask for bottled water. So like I'll have one big bottled water, but then I give them like the actual um, things they can take with them to the beach to have the filters in them. Yeah. Things that are, you know, like you said, it's Reusable. intentional and yeah. useful yeah. and impractical. Um, recycling bin, um, communicating is everything with an Airbnb -er. and then I told you earlier I, was, I keep a spreadsheet for both myself but also kind of to keep track of the guest experience so I have on there the dates the app that the actual um, reservation came through on as well as the expense of it yeah because 
as an, uh, a host, you tend to lose sight of how much cost is involved. <laughs> and at the end of the season, you're like, okay, I did not make as much money as I thought I did. And I don't think the actual guests realize how much we spend on them yeah. just for them to get in there. Um, whether it be, you know, actually providing things or actually the service itself of cleaning and making sure it's completely um, disinfected and COVID proof. Um, cause you don't want people catching COVID from your property. So like all those things are things that take time yeah. and making sure it smells nice, making sure, you know, that when they walk in that everything around them is, is completely sanitized and clean and feels warm and fuzzy and yeah. they have a great experience. It's all, that's all included. So talking about the experience and I know that both of us do this and it's one of the things that I encourage people to think about if they're serious about mm -hmm. kind of going down this avenue is when you're thinking about what is the unique experience that you can offer, how can you support local businesses in your area? That's right? a great question. Yeah. Yes. I do this a lot and I love it. I love it. Partly because I'm a business consultant by day. So that's my actual job. Right. So I do, it, the two for me have been very cohesive and I cross pollinate with you in that I give Jess and Jess gives me reservations because mm -hmm. you and I have properties so close to each other. So they're on the same body of water, but also with the businesses within two miles of my home, I've got restaurants, boutiques, mm -hmm. spas, um, a salt cave that are like so fun for the tourists in the area. Yeah. They don't know it's there. You don't know what you don't know. So I give them business cards. There's an entire section of, and just so you know, if you are becoming an Airbnb or, or a Verbo, anyone is listening, have a whole entire thing on the countertop where you can kind of go through and see the business cards of all the local businesses totally. and your favorite restaurants and their hours. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is if I engage a business, a lot of times they'll give me a card for the 10% off or 5% yeah, off. Yep. So the salt caves that we have locally, I've engaged with them. We have like four restaurants that have given us percentages off. Um, but if you go to some of the boutiques even, they'll be like, oh, if they come here, they'll get 15% off their first purchase. It's great. It's so great. I yeah. love it. So you're supporting small businesses and also they get to support the tourists who hopefully will come back and give them more business. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's great. I love it. And, and even like takeout, having a whole, I have a whole entire holder of just takeout menus right by the door. Cause a lot of times you're on vacation you think you want to cook and then you get here and you're like, Hmm, I'd rather take out. Yeah. And so all having the takeout menus there is super convenient for the guests. That's one of the things that I sincerely try to add is like the value of being a local here, yeah, you know? It is. So great. whether it's like, I get, I get often like, where do you go if you want to do like outdoor yoga? Where's a good mm -hmm. run? Where's a good hike with my dogs? Where's a good, if I want to go paddle boarding for the day, where yeah. do you recommend? So do you have Favorite any kind beaches. of, yeah, like do yeah. you have anything like that that you would share? Well, we're really fortunate on our street. We have an actual private beach that can only be accessed by kayak, boat, or or um, bike, which yeah. is super cool for our neighborhood. So that is very special. But outside of that, um, in Niantic itself, I really love some of our little boutiques. I always describe our area sort of like a mini Mystic because Mystic is so well known and saturated with tourism. But this area of Niantic um, in particular is just starting to really sprout and we're getting a lot of like influx of really cute little boutiques. So like past and present yeah. is an antique shop yes. that I frequent. Um, I actually purchased from them this weekend and they've actually furnished probably half of the Airbnb. So they know me, I know them, I send a lot of guests to them. Um, and then we've gotten three really beautiful boutiques. We have Azalea's, mm -hmm. which is a Niantic that just opened up recently. They relocated from another part of Niantic. We have Grace, which is a really high-end clothing 
boutique. They um, are my go-to birthday present for any of like yes, my women friends. I'm like, I'm just going to Grace. Great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> not cheap. I always tell people it's not cheap. You'll have one purchase and you'll just value it forever, but really good stuff. Um, and then we've got Pearls and Plaid who just moved in from Saybrook and they are expanding to their third location, I believe. That's and, awesome. Um, they're amazing too. So I just try to like support the local, um, actually Drift, I think is a new one that's like beauty products and so forth. And then we have a brand new business that just opened Niantic called Willow mm. and her boutique is absolutely stunning. Um, I would say it competes with Grace directly. So oh, wow. like some of those, those little boutiques are super special. Um, and then we've got uh, Gourmet Galley right there on the same strip as Niantic where you can take gourmet meals home. So if you don't want to cook, I tell the guests, like, I can't ideal. get better than that. Yeah. Ideal. ideal for Airbnb ears. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got, like, four four homemade ice cream shops within, like, 10 miles. Um, this is all along the Boardwalk area. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of Boardwalk, Boardwalk Pizza is, like, literally right in between all these shops yeah. I'm talking about. And they're phenomenal as well. So, so for any – just because, you know, listeners are listeners. Yeah. For any small business owner located mm-hmm. in Connecticut or Rhode Island that mm-hmm. may be listening um, – Obviously, Jules had mentioned, in addition to being a host, landlord, she's also a business consultant. So if anybody's listening to this and going, oh my gosh, how can I get in touch with her? I will put it in the show notes. Um, So Jules does, um, is a business consultant, is also a trained chef, is fantastic. (laughs) Thanks. Um, I love cooking. And does a lot around, can you just take like two seconds because we got to wrap up in about a minute. Um, um, But just as far as your day-to-day goes, if someone is interested in contacting you, what do you do? Why do you do it? And why should they work So my day job is a business consultant. I work for a small firm out of Guilford, Connecticut, um, but I'm never in Guilford, Connecticut. I always tell people I have clients as far down as Milford all the way up to Massachusetts. Mm. Um, We are are a national company, but really my concentration is here on the shoreline, particularly southeastern Connecticut is the majority of my business. Um, I generally do tend to work with a lot of restaurants. That's not really that deliberate. That was more coincidental. So about 70% of my business is restaurants and the rest can be anything from contractors to attorneys. Um, I do anything from menu consulting, HR, basic HR. Um, I'm only accredited with basic HR skills. Um, Anything with connecting the dots for a client, whether it be credit card processing, shopping that out for them, point of sale, getting them associated with a local bank instead of one of the big ticket banks. Um, You know, some of the bigger banks are just going to be a number versus the local bank. They're going to value your business. So introducing them to local banks, accountants, bookkeepers. Um, payroll services, yeah. um, tax tax prep prep people who are not necessarily accountants but do tax prep for smaller business, all the way up to conflict resolution and helping them figure out what they need in regards to um, you know tax deductions per employee and so forth. So there's a lot of stuff I, that encompasses in this job, but I love helping small businesses either when they're first starting. Or they're getting to that point where they're own, outgrowing themselves and yeah. they need to kind of redirect. That's and exciting. That's, that's my job. And I love it. I love it. And it does actually feed into being an airbnb because I'm able to, you know, the two collide, the two worlds. It's all connected. Absolutely. And on that note, as the kind of wrap-up question, mm-hmm. um, so we talk about life in southeastern Connecticut. We talk about business in southeastern Connecticut, a little bit of real estate. Um, my big thing for everybody that I'm always wondering, as a successful insert everything we've just talked about for the past day, like 15, 20 minutes. How do you find balancing your health? Like what, what do you do? What do you encourage? What do you suggest? Well, that's a necessity for me because I have a disease, an autoimmune issue. So I don't have a choice. It will stop me in my tracks if I get too tired. Um, I try to sleep as much as possible (laughs) and the older I get, the more naps I take. So I try to find time to rest on the weekends, even despite the fact that I'm super busy, even if it's an hour or two, like today. I did that. And um, just, you know, 
taking pause, being deliberate with taking time out for yourself and with your friends. And Jess and I, we both do this together. Yeah. Like even just sometimes after work, spending, you know, an hour together, just kind of going through, mulling through the day and then having a glass of wine on the porch and kind of just reflecting, reflecting yeah. and appreciating our, our downtime on this beautiful river that we live on. Um, so yeah, just making time, being deliberate with your time, figuring out how to have that work-life balance. Otherwise, what are you doing it for? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Jules, as always, just thank you for everything. Aww. I really appreciate it. It's inspiring. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Absolutely. My first podcast. Yay. Awesome. Um, yeah, so check back next week um, because we will be continuing with our weekly guest series here on the Running Realtor with me, Jessica Patterson-Kibbe, your residential realtor for Southeastern Connecticut. And I hope you have a great one. Bye.